Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, Matthew 13, we are uh, looking today at this matter of, uh, I'll title this message, A Better Response. A Better Response. What is our response to the Word of God? What is our response to the things that God reveals and to the things that God shows us? And sometimes I think that we leave uh, revelation, we leave opportunities, we leave things that God wants to show us just short of their capacity to produce the true results we know the Word of God is capable of. How many of you know the Word of God works? Come on, can we just start there? You know the word works. You know that it's power. You know that it's life. You know that it transforms and renews. You know that it quickens even your mortal bodies. Come on, the word of God works. Uh, But I've heard uh, before that the word works if you choose to work the word. Amen? And there's a working, not a striving, not a trying to force it or make it happen, but there is a, a better response, a deeper response that we can bring. I'm actually, my wife and I will be leaving this afternoon for Kingdom Rise Round 2 in Fort Walton Beach. Uh, we'll be leaving this afternoon. That'll kick off down there with Pastor Roddy and uh, Champion Life Church, the same crew, Pastor Roddy and myself, Pastor Marcy, Pastor Earl, Pastor Daryl. Uh, we'll be ministering for the next uh, one night and three days uh, through Wednesday night. And I actually ministered this message at our last Kingdom Rise in St. Augustine uh, in light of understanding how we can put the Word of God to work in our lives to see those, uh, to see its capacity produce in our lives. I want to start with verse um, Well, I need to actually back up, guys. If you can get me back to chapter 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 10. Chapter 13, Matthew 13, verse 10. I'll be reading out of uh, the New King James here real quick. This is the parable of the sower. Y'all are familiar with the parable of the sower, right? We got seed that's sown on four different kinds of soil. We've got seed that falls by the wayside. We got seed that ends up on uh, like a thorny ground and it ends up getting choked out. We got another seed that falls and it begins to take root, but its roots don't go real deep and so uh, yet still unproductive, unfruitful. And then, of course, we've got the seed that falls on good ground, good soil that ends up producing a harvest, producing fruit. And in verse 10 of chapter 13, there's an interesting conversation that happens here because he gives this parable of the sower to a multitude, to a great group of people, a large group of people. But in verse 10, it says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now notice, not everybody's asking, why do you speak to them in parables? Why are you conversing in this manner? Why are you choosing this form of conversation? He's spoken to a large group of people. We know these multitudes could get anywhere of 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people at times. Large groups of people. But now we just have a select group that is pushing the conversation deeper, asking questions, not asking questions in doubt, not asking questions to challenge, not asking questions to, uh, you know, confer doubt or I don't know if I really believe this, but wanting to press deeper. His disciples say, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries. Everyone say mysteries. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them It has not been given. So he implies two things right here. Number one, the kingdom is a mystery. The kingdom's not just out there for everybody to grasp. And number two, some have the quality and the capacity to understand and receive these mysteries. And he also says this, some don't. 
the the all-inclusive Jesus and the all-loving Jesus. And he wants you to know as much as he knows and gives you as much as, uh, you know, as he can give you. That's not the Jesus that we see here. We see a Jesus that draws a line. We see a Jesus that divides. There's an us and there's a them. There are those that have been granted, he says, to receive the mysteries of the kingdom. And then there are those that do not have the capacity, do not have the uh, ability to see these mysteries. It's mysterious. It's not mystical, but there is a mystery to it. And this might contradict a lot of what we believe about Jesus. This might go against what we think Jesus was wanting to just give everybody everything. You know, Jesus is the most misunderstood person that's ever walked this planet. If you have seen any of the the He Gets Us commercials, anybody heard those or seen those? They, they, they guys, it, it's man's best attempt, I understand, to understand Jesus, but you just don't. They miss the mission. They miss his assignment. They miss his purpose. They miss who he was, who he is. We are trying to understand this God in the flesh, this son of God, the word becoming flesh, dwelling among us. But guys, until you understand the mysteries, we're left with surface information. We're left with uh, uh, not misinformation, but incomplete information. We live in a day of incomplete information, don't we? We don't have all the facts, and we don't have all of the details. But we understand that Jesus actually ministered this way. But this is what Jesus says. He goes on further in verse um, 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, here's another contradicting verse for Jesus. Even what he has will be taken away. This is like the most unfair thing you've ever come across. The one that has will have more and in abundance, more than he can handle. But the one who does not have, he will take away even what you do not have. Like, how does this work? I mean, my brain is struggling to put this together right now. We're giving more to the one that has more than they need. And we're taking away from the one that doesn't even have enough to sustain and to resource. What is going on here? Jesus is saying this, with the mystery of the kingdom, it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. The kingdom of God is not hidden from you, the kingdom is hidden for you. But... To understand the mystery, to unveil the truth, to discover what's hidden, we have to understand this matter, that we do not discover the kingdom through information, we discover the kingdom through revelation. I'll say that again. The kingdom is not discovered through information, the kingdom is discovered through revelation and the two forms uh the 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 ways that we gain information and the ways that you gain revelation require two completely different level of investments there's a price to pay and he's basically saying this if you're not willing to pay the price then you won't receive the reward if you're not willing to invest on my level Jesus is saying this, I'm unwilling to give you a discount. I know the worth and I know the value of my revelation and I refuse to lower that value. There's no bargaining with the kingdom. I'll say it again, there's no bargaining with the kingdom. You don't show up on the lot and say, ah, what's that? I'll give it to you for 50. Well, I'll give you 40. It doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God is not bargained. You either recognize the value and the worth and you make the effort and you make the push and you make the press to gain that revelation or you're left without revelation. You're limited to mere information. We saw this in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. He says, who do men say that I am? And at first he gets a lot of information. Well, you know, they think you're you're, uh, one of the prophets. You know, maybe uh, uh, Elijah. Brought back from the dead, maybe John the Baptist. Okay, well, who do you 
say. And then Peter speaks by unction of the Holy Spirit, revealed to him by heaven, right? I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? Flesh and blood has not revealed this. Information has not, you weren't informed that I'm the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You were revealed to by my Father in heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If we're gonna understand kingdom principles and kingdom mysteries, it's gonna require a different level of investment. God's gonna require a different level of, of just attending a service and sitting in a seat and checking off your box. It's gonna require more than just your, your, your Bible daily, your daily Bible reading, your, your, your little hour devotion or whatever. There's gonna need to be a press. There's gonna, there's gonna need to be an interest, an investment, an urgency and intentionality to see and receive. I could take you back to John chapter three where Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the well-informed, well-educated, know-it-alls. Come on, they had to memorize it by a certain age. And it was young, I think it was either eight, maybe eight years old, they had to have these, these, these the, the, the principles of God, the word of God memorized by that time. Paul said, uh, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I could show Pharisees how to do it. But he also said, I consider it all dung to the knowledge of Jesus. That the information pales in comparison to the revelation of the mysteries. Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus and Nicodemus says, master, or actually he says, teacher, rabbi, he says, we have seen these mighty signs and wonders. We've seen the miraculous. We've heard the astonishing teachings. And we, mu we know God must be with you. And Jesus makes a really weird response there as well. He says, you cannot even see or enter the kingdom of God unless what? You're born again. We talked about this several weeks ago that apparently born again to Jesus meant something completely different than what born again has been adopted to mean by us today. For us, born again is coming out of something. For Jesus, it was coming into something. You cannot even enter the kingdom unless you are born again. Meaning, this, uh, this is a new journey of discovery. And, and, and we've addressed this issue that most of us know what we were born again from. We do not know what we were born again for. You can tell me all day long what you were set free from, but can you tell me what you were set free for? And I'm going to tell you right now, heaven is not the answer. I just took away about 98% of our answers in today's cultural Christianity. What were you set free for? Well, to die and go to heaven. Nope. You will. I'm not saying you won't. I'm saying it's far deeper than that. Far deeper than that. We haven't even touched the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg yet. No, Jesus is trying to show us that there's some mysterious things going on here and you need to desire to enter in. And without that desire to enter in, he says, the one that has the desire to seek revelation, to know the mysteries of the kingdom, man, you're going to have so much revelation, you're going to have in abundance, meaning what? More than I can handle. You'll be looking at heaven saying, stop, I can't handle all this revelation right now. It's too much. And we've been preaching that and, and speaking that over uh, our church here this year. Abundant clarity, abundant clarity. Come on, just say that with me. Say abundant clarity. In abundance, overflowing, overwhelming. I know, I understand, I perceive on a heavenly level. But this is what he also says to him who doesn't have. Even what he has will be taken away. What's that mean? For him that doesn't have the urgency, the intentionality, the desire to seek these mysteries, you'll eventually lose the desire altogether. You'll lose the capacity to hear. And that's what he goes on to say in the, the following verses. Verse 12, for whoever has to him will be given. He will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Now he's telling us why he speaks in parables. 
I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, and nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. What is that prophecy? Prophetically spoken by Isaiah, hearing you will hear and you shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. Here it is. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. What is the work and the power of the word of God in our lives? That I should heal them. That word heal is to save. It's not just healing like a physical body is being healed, but healed, literally delivered, set free, saved brought out of something and into something. And that is the power of the gospel, but it demands a better response. That up until this point, we have grown dull in our hearing, hard of hearing. The writer of Hebrews challenged the the Hebrews and and, and who he was writing to uh, with the same message. There's much more that I'd like to say. There's much more that we would like to reveal, but it's hard to explain, not because I can't explain it, but because you have grown dull in hearing it. We grow dull. Paul uh, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, brethren, I would love to, to speak to you as to spiritual people, but I cannot. I must speak to you as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. By this time, you ought to, Meaning there's an expectation we should be able to go deeper, an expectation I should be able to reveal some things, an expectation that we should be able to move forward and advance in what we're preaching and explaining and describing. But on the part of the hearer, we're not able to receive. Even Jesus uh, told his disciples one time, there's many more things I'd like to share with you now, but you cannot bear them. He didn't say, I don't feel like it. He didn't say it's hard to put into words. He didn't say, I just haven't gotten the full, uh, you know, depiction yet. He says, the hearer, you cannot bear them. And this is the thing. God's, uh, uh, this is actually God's mercy in demonstration, refraining from revealing truth. Because if he knows you're not ready to respond properly, you'll be held accountable for it. See, we become accountable for what we hear. We become accountable to put into practice. And so it's actually God's mercy saying, you're not ready to respond. You're not ready to receive. So I will refrain from revealing it. I'm not gonna bear, I'm not. But you know what? There's a day coming. There's a day coming where the mystery will be revealed. Whether you're ready or not, the Bible tells us every knee will bow. You know, the thing about it is is, is there's not going to be a group of people that honors the lordship of Jesus and a people that doesn't honor the lordship of Jesus. Everyone's going to recognize the lordship of Jesus. It's only the, the, the difference is, did you do it voluntarily or did you do it by force? Did you do it out of submission or did you do it out of compliance? Compliance is false submission. Compliance is I'm going through the motions and it looks like I've got it all right on the outside, but on the inside, my heart is not submitted. Have you ever complied with something that you didn't want to do? You were submitted on the outside, but not on the inside. Anybody ever done that? Just look straight ahead. We'll have an altar call later for everyone lying. Yeah. We've all complied with something, but on the inside, we're like, this is dumb. I hate this rule. I don't know why they do it this way. I don't know why they say that. I don't know why I have to drive that speed in here. I mean, look at this. There's, there's three lanes. Why is it only this? I mean, we, we do this in our minds. That's just compliance, guys. There's gonna be a whole group of people at the end. It's like, Jesus is Lord, but I don't know why. 
I don't know why I have to, why can't I just control myself? Why can't I just do what I want to do? Why can't I? But then there are going to be those that say, no, I bow my knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I submit fully to him. I'm not holding on to my agenda, my way, my plan. It's no good. I want his plan. His plan is best. I fully submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. And so we recognize that there's a, a, a capacity that we have to put ourselves in to deepen this mystery, as Jesus calls it, this mystery. Now look at verse 18. I'm going to look at this in the New Living. Jesus now explains this parable of the sower. Remember, the parables are spoken in such a way to keep truth hidden from those that don't want to know truth to keep truth hidden from those that don't want to respond accordingly, that are not postured, yielded in their hearts. But this is what it says in verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. And I just remind you, he's not talking to the multitude anymore. Now he's turned around and he's talking to a select group. It could be the 12. It could be the 70, but we know it's, it's greatly distinguished from the multitude that he was just speaking to. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear. Everyone say hear. Hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed, here it is, that was planted in their hearts. We'll come back to that. Verse 20, the seed on rocky soil presents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But verse 21 says, since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 22 says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear, everyone say truly hear, and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. First thing I want you to notice here in verse uh, 19, it says the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. Verse uh, 20 says the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. Verse 22 says the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the God's word, verse 23 says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear. Notice all four occurrences heard the word. Let's just go ahead and clarify this. We're not talking to anybody in the world as far as those that have not heard the message. It's easy to deduce that if you haven't heard the message then you can't produce the results. But Jesus is qualifying this, and he's saying, these are individuals, let me, put it, let me put it to you in 2023 terms, that go to church every Sunday. Let's get a little closer. They sit in pews or chairs, comfortable chairs. They attend religiously. They hear the word. Let's go a little deeper. They're on your row right now. Look straight ahead. Everyone's like, I'm the four. I'm a four. Everybody, come on, just say it with me. Say, I'm a four. I'm a four. Just be a four today. Choose to be. We have a room full of fours. We have a room full of we truly hear, we understand, we put it into practice, and we bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. But there are three other instances. It's not a great percentage guys 25% is successful there's a better response so let's break these down number one is the seed that fell on the footpath 
represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And I didn't recognize this until just recently. That's what I love about the word of God. It's alive, it's active, it's growing, it's advancing. And that's what I'm saying, guys. God will choose to refrain from revealing something to you until you're ready to receive it. If you don't understand it this year in your Bible reading plan, save it for next year. Maybe God will show you what it meant next year. Don't get hung up on it. Don't allow the enemy to thwart your intentionality and your passion for truth because you don't understand something. Understanding has never been a prerequisite for obedience. I'll say that again. Understanding has never been a prerequisite for obedience. Noah did not need to understand what rain was and how it was going to come, even though we've never seen it, to obey God and say, You've given me enough instruction. You've shown me what resources to use. You've given me the direction. You've given me the plan. I'm going to follow you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to obey. Not comply, obey. Obedience is always the right response. But in this first instance, watch this. The evil one comes, verse 19, snatches away the seed, here it is, that was planted. Now, I've always just kind of pictured this, the, the parable of the sower. The sower, there's, there's several common denominators, right? Number one is the sower. There's someone sowing the word. Number two is their seed. All four instances have a sower. All four instances have seed. The same seed, good seed. The same seed that produced was the same seed that didn't produce. So obviously, it's not the sower's fault. It's not the seed's fault. What's different in every instance? The soil, the ground. And in this first one, I've always just kind of pictured this, like the sowers, you know, throwing this seed out, and there's some that accidentally lands on ground that, uh, you know, wasn't even able to receive it, obviously, and able to produce anything. But that's not what it says. I mean, it's right in front of us. It says the seed was planted in their hearts. This is not a reckless sower just throwing seed out and hoping it lands on good soil. It is sown with intentionality. It is sown with the purpose of sowing the word of God into someone's heart, therefore transforming them from the inside out and allowing them to now produce results of the kingdom rather than results of their former life. This is seed that was planted in their hearts. It was the condition of the heart that determined if it was unfruitful or not. God, let me just tell you, we are not up here. I don't get up here casually on a Sunday or a Wednesday or any time I minister and just throw seed out and hope it lands somewhere. There's a lot of intention. There's a lot of purpose. There's a lot of intentionality. There's a lot of interest in what we're doing up here. Maybe I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you what I do. And a lot of the ministers that I'm around and the ministers that I choose to receive, I know that we see a lot of casual, a a, a lot of pastors today Let me just tell you, I just read a a, a statistic or saw something online the other day that I think it's 7% of Americans attend a church of 250 members or more. What's that mean? You see all these celebrity pastors. You see all these pastors over these large, I'm not against growth, obviously. 3,000 people came into the kingdom in one day on the day of Pentecost. That's easy. It's not about numbers. But I think what's happened is we've got individuals that have made themselves more of influencers than pastors, shepherds, truly honoring and valuing the word of God for what it is and giving you the authentic, not what appeases you, not what pleases you, not what just sounds good. No, I'm up here intentionally hearing, getting downloads by the Holy Spirit. I had a different direction I wanted to go. This weekend. But the Holy Spirit said, no, we need to go here. I honestly am not a fan of preaching things more than once. I'm really not. 
Because it, it meant something in the moment that I received it. It meant something to me in that moment. And, and, and to try to reproduce that or duplicate that in another instance, whether that person has heard it or not. That's just not my thing. I like fresh revelation, fresh word. But the Holy Spirit said, no, this weekend, we're going to unveil the mystery of the kingdom. We're going to help people understand how to get the word to work in their lives. And this is where he sent me. Now, I come here with urgency, and I come here with intentionality, and I come here with, with, with the, the, there's no casualness. But the question is, did you come here with intentionality today? Because apparently the sower can show up with really good seed and it still not produce results. I mean, bottom line, out of, out of everybody in this room, we are one of these four cases. And we start off right here with the individual that's distracted. We start off with the individual that doesn't understand or comprehend from, from go. They, they, they are not in tune, and so they don't even, they're not even able to receive it, even though it says it was planted in their hearts. It's very important that we don't lose the purpose and the passion for even the routine. You've heard me talk before about the danger of discipline. Typically, when we become really good at something or disciplined at something or regimented at something, we usually, we, we, we will grow in discipline and decrease in passion. It's almost in sync. The more I get better at something, the less I lose the, 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 the more I lose the purpose of something. No, we've got to remain I mean, you ought to be coming to the house of God every weekend, every midweek, every time you're darkening these doors, come and say, God, what am I going to receive today? What am I going to get today? What are you going to show me today? What are you going to plant within the soil? I, I want my heart, man, you should be praying on the way here. May I be good soil for the word of God today. I thank you for my pastors. I thank you for my teachers. I thank you for those that are imparting truth to me. Man, Holy Spirit, move upon them to deliver the words that you want to say and move upon me. I partner with you today to receive revelation by the word of God today. You know, this happened with Jesus in Mark chapter 6 when he came to his own hometown in Nazareth. And they became familiar. And once they became familiar, they were one step away from becoming offended. Because when you become familiar with someone or something, then you start seeing its flaws more than you see its blessing. Now you start seeing, you start critiquing. And eventually critique moves to criticism. Now they look just as normal as you. Isn't that Jesus? Don't we know his mom and dad? His brothers and sisters still live here. How? They saw the mighty signs and they heard the powerful teaching just as Nicodemus did, just as the other Pharisees did. They grew familiar and then it says in the next verse, and they became offended at him. That treating as common, treating as normal, treating as invaluable. That's what we're dealing with right here. It was planted in their hearts, but it wasn't treated as valuable. It wasn't honored. It wasn't received with urgency and intentionality, and it ended up on the wayside. And it says the enemy comes immediately to steal. The enemy came immediately. Guys, if you don't honor the word, the, the, the enemy does. Doesn't honor it to obey it, but he honors it. He honors it in the form of he knows what you can do if you get it, and so he'll make sure you don't. And so distractions, as the word is being ministered, as the word is being taught, not being fully engaged, not having a full focus, not having a, a laser focus on what is the Lord revealing to me. Today, That's step one. Step two is verse 20. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. Now watch this. And immediately receive it 
with joy. Now, that sounds like a great response. We talked about joy last week. That means in the moment, you were shouting amen. Huh? You're taking notes. You're engaged. You walk, out of the, walk back out through the doors happy. You receive it with joy. But verse 21 says they don't have deep roots. It says they don't last long. They fall away as soon as what? As soon as they have problems or are persecuted. It actually says persecuted for believing God's word. Anybody ever been persecuted for believing God's word? Why do you believe that? Why do you go to that church? Why do you do that? Now that persecution, that challenging, that resistance, that opposition, what we talked about last week, whether it just be the cares of the, the or the, not the cares, we'll get there in a minute, but the trials of life, the tribulations of life, right? Living in a fallen world. And so now we're struggling to reconcile what we minister in here because we minister victory. We minister hope. We minister an outlook that says, God is for you, not against you. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. But then you walk back out those doors into the real world. Guys, some of us don't even make it to our cars before the enemy starts lying back to us. We get in the traffic on the way out. We get challenged because it's an hour and 15 minute wait at Cheddar's. Yeah. The trials and tribulations of life in 2023. Yeah, I mean, we have real issues. And the enemy starts bombarding you and it starts counter working counter to the word that you just got sown into your heart. You don't have the deep roots going down. It says they don't last long. Guys, apparently it's telling us it's not enough to even shout amen in here and shout oh me out there. We've got to shout amen in here and it's got to carry out there. Now you've got to use the word that I'm arming you with to combat the challenges of life. I don't know how many times I've gotten a word from God and immediately the enemy will show up with something that's almost like literally, you, can, you know it was intentional to what I just received. He's literally challenging the very thought process or the element that I just got planted and sown into my heart. We need deep roots. We need to last long. That's what we talked about last week. Endurance. Where's the lasting Where's the faithfulness? Where's the committed to the word? The commitment to the word. They fall away, it says, as soon as they have problems. Now, verse 22. Number three says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who again hear God's word. But all too quickly, here it is, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and no fruit is produced. We're, we're three steps into this thing, but so far, we haven't produced any more fruit than the seed that just fell by the wayside. That the seed by the wayside, distracted as the word was ministered, didn't even grasp it, walked out the doors the same way you came in. But then we've got the seed, man, we received it with joy, we're, in, we're intentional, we're engaged, we're taking notes, we're shouting amen, we're praising God in here, but then we get out there and the trials and tribulations of life, the issues of life show up and they, 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 they prove that we have no deep root within us and so we produce. But now here's what the enemy has, is, is throwing at us. If he can't get you with the trials and tribulations, he'll distract you with the cares. And the way the New King James reads it, the deceitfulness of riches. This is what I call the busyness of life. He says, well, if I can't get them with the burden, I'll distract them with the blessing. I'll get them so busy that they don't have time to stand on the word. I'll get them so consumed with the good things that are happening in life 
the lure of wealth, the, the care. Look, wealth can't be luring if you don't have it. He's talking about people that have, uh, have gained a level of, I mean, I, I've watched people ask God, believe God for a job. And the job pulls them away from the house of God where they were on their knees begging and crying and weeping. And guys, how does this work? How do we get pulled away by the very things that God brings into our life? How do we forget the source and start worshiping the resource? The busyness, the busyness. What is busyness? It's artificial significance. It's counterfeit purpose. Busyness, just so busy. Aren't we just all so busy? Just living such a busy life. It's the same 24 hours everybody else has. The busyness of life, the cares of life, the it's all good stuff. Got meetings, ball games, programs, going from this to that to this to that. And it's we're not recognizing it's extinguishing and cutting off the circulation of the word in our lives. We got a seed that falls by the wayside. Didn't even get it when it was being ministered. Got a seed, man, we received it with joy, but the trials and tribulations of life showed up. We didn't have a deep root, so we didn't remain. We got easily flustered and easily taken off the word. And now we've got, if he can't get you with the trials of life, he'll get you with the blessings of life. Gets in the way. says it was crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. But verse 23, verse 23 says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Let's look at this in the Passion Translation, these verses. Verse 18. It says, now you are ready. I don't know about you. I want to be ready for revelation. Say that with me. Say, I am ready for revelation. You are ready to hear the explanation of the, par the parable of the sower. What was sown along the path represents the one who listens to the message of the kingdom but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. The one sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received and he quickly falls away for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. The one sown among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, and here it is, his ambition for wealth, result in suffocating the kingdom message. And it becomes fruitless. But what was sown on good, rich soil represents the one who hears and fully embraces. Everyone say fully embraces the message of their kingdom. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much. Go over with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter four, this is the Mark account of the parable of the sower. And in verse 24, Jesus adds some more details here, a little different than Matthew's account. Reading in the CSB uh, translation, verse 24 says, and he said to them, pay attention. Everyone say, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you see, it will be measured to you and more will be added. Why aren't we having the increase in revelation? Why aren't we having that added? Why are we so confused, misguided, misled all over the place? It's because we didn't value 
what we, what we did receive. He says, pay attention. That reveals what? Cost. Pay. You know, it, it costs you to pay attention. It costs you to give attention. It costs us to invest. What you're doing this morning, you are investing your time. What I'm doing this morning, I'm investing my time. I hope this isn't a waste of time for you. It's not a waste of time for me to travel down, to, to do two different conferences in three weeks and in different locations. That's not a waste of time for me. That's investment. That's investment. I'm investing that time. I am investing, you are investing me in Fort Walton Beach this week. You're making the investment. I won't be here Wednesday night. Now, we've got someone ministering. Uh, Miss Audrey will be ministering this Wednesday night, and she's going to bring a powerful word. But I'm ministering somewhere else at the expense of being here in my own home church. I'm making an investment. I don't, I'm, not an ex, I'm not expensing here to waste my time somewhere else. Most of the travel and most of the vacations we plan, I ensure that we're not gone on a weekend. I'm not saying we do it that way always. So don't get mad at me if there's a Sunday I'm not here and I'm enjoying time with my family in another place. But most of the time, I ensure I'm in this place where God has assigned me, where God has directed me, where God has, has guided me to, to be an investment to you. There's a paying, there's an investment that's taking place. Pay attention, he says, to what you hear. And if you do, it will be added to you, but he says it's by the measure you use. It's a better response. Coming to church, not the response. Taking notes, not the response. How many of us have, uh, have full notebooks but empty lives? Not in this room, I know. But I think that we value information. We value quotes and tweets. We value scrolling through and getting a, a little Christian encouragement that day. We, we value things on the smallest, but it says that the measure you use is what determines what comes back. And if we have a misplaced value, then guys, we, if we make little investment, then we cannot be discontent with little results. If you're content making small incremental investments, then we cannot be discontent when we get small results. A word received without a proper response will fail to yield the desired result. I'll say that again. A word received without a proper response will fail to yield the desired result. And this in no way weakens the word. This in no way says, I guess it just doesn't work. I guess it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. That doesn't work in all instances. Well, if the Lord's willing. No. The responsibility lies on the hearer. The responsibility lies on the one receiving. Pay the price. In the Amplified, Mark chapter 4 reads this way. Verse 24, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. And just like we read earlier, for to him who has more will be given. And from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. Guys, if it doesn't cost anything from us, it won't be worth anything to us. If it doesn't cost anything from us, then what is it really worth to us? It's important that we honor the word and make the investment. It's important that we put this in its proper place. Jesus says that this parable, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, how will you understand all parables? 
that there's a connecting element in all of these. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus shows a couple other illustrations. I'm gonna read these to you out of the Passion Translation. Verse 44 says, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, watch what he does. He hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed, sold all that he had or all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. He paid the price. He invested. He invested all that he had. Verse 45 says, heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. I'm not gonna read this story. Most of us are familiar with Mark chapter 10 and the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he comes asking the right questions. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A rich young ruler, a man that knows wealth, a man that has it all, a man that has plenty. How can I inherit? How can I gain? How can I get access to this kingdom that you're talking about, this eternal life that you're talking about? Jesus says to him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept. Not only is he good at getting, he's also good at keeping. I have kept all these things. But verse 21 says, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Now, he's doing pretty good if he only lacks one thing. That's actually not even the proper translation. It's not you lack one thing, it's one thing you lack. Meaning, you lack many things, but this is the most important thing you lack. And if you can address your lack in this one thing, it'll address the lack in all the other things. It's the same principle that we see in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom. You think it means seek ye first the kingdom and then you can seek everything else? <laughs> now he's saying if you'll seek first the kingdom, you'll find that's all the seeking you need. You'll find it'll answer everything else you think you're seeking after. He loves him and he looks at him and he says, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have. There it is. Give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me, verse 22. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. In the very next verse, verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth, here it is, to enter the kingdom of God. It seems to be that the more that we have to hold on to, the harder it is to let go of those things to gain access to the mystery. The more that he had, he said how hard it is for the rich. And he's not just talking about rich in wealth in finances. He's talking about in all that he's uh, accumulated, in all that he's done. He was relying on his religious activity. I've kept the 10 commandments. I've honored do not uh, commit murder. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I've done these things. I must, I must qualify. I'm a candidate. And he says, no, the way you qualify, the way you become a candidate is by laying everything else down to go after this one thing, the one that discovers the treasure in the field, but he wasn't willing to sell all that he had to buy the field to gain access to the treasure. He just wanted the treasure. How do you know if someone has the kingdom? When they have nothing left but the kingdom when they've given everything up for that one mystery. 
Worship team, if you come, what's the value? What's the honor we place? What's the price we pay? You know, value is always determined by cost. You can't say it's worth that to you if you're not willing to pay that price for it. And I get it. There's times we come into things in life where we always want to lower the cost. But guys, if you lower the cost, you lower the value. That's why Jesus is saying, I'm not willing to lower the cost. It will cost you everything. To seek after this, to go after this, it'll cost you. Guys, we live in a culture today that values comfort, values convenience. And I'm all about doing everything we can to reach as many people as possible. But there has got to be some form of non-negotiables that are established. There's gotta be something put in place. And I think, you know, one of the dangers that we have allowed to creep into the American church is we've removed the level of effort, investment, and value that someone places on it because we try to give everything to everyone. And I'm not here to talk about methods and I'm not here to talk about programs. There are many things that have been done that on the surface are great things to do. And for a lot of churches, because a lot of them are pastor friends that I have, that have multiple services and they have a service for the older and they have a service for the younger and they have this type of worship and they have that. But guys, if we keep going after people's preferences, eventually we're demanding nothing of them. No level of discomfort. I love seeing the the generations worship alongside each other. I love doing the newer stuff and the hymn stuff. I love having the opportunities where we can all collaborate together and somebody's making a sacrifice. Somebody's paying a price. If we keep chasing after in a consumeristic approach people's comfort and their convenience... Guys, you can't keep up with that. We can't chase that. And honestly, I don't know that it's created a stronger church. I think you would agree with that. The church in the last days, the church of the living God, the church of Jesus Christ, the church that's gonna see the kingdom come and his will be done, it's gonna be a church that has to pay a price. Make an investment. It's worth your while. I said, it's worth your while. It's worth your effort. It's worth the inconvenience. It's worth the discomfort. He promised us that we would be comforted, but he did not promise us that we would be comfortable. You're gonna endure some things. You're gonna have those challenges the trials, the tribulations. Guys, some of us, we're gonna be so blessed that the enemy will use that and turn it against us to distract us from the God that brought it to us in the first place. No, we're gonna have to pay the price, make the investment, count the cost. Say, I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna leave that seed on the wayside. I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna receive it with joy but not invest in deepening the roots. I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna get distracted by the cares of the world and get so busy that I can't even make time for the things of God anymore. I'm gonna be the one that values the word when it's given, when it's sown. I'm gonna meditate on the word to deepen those roots. I'm gonna stand on the word even when when the blessings of God, I'll always make sure glory goes back to him. I'll be the one producing. Will y'all be that with me? Can we be the four today? Can we commit? I'll be ground four. I'm the fourth ground. I'm the fourth ground. I make the investment. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times. 
ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.